You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. You know, the Apostle Peter was an interesting guy. When you follow his road from being a disciple to one of the apostles that founded the church. And Peter knew how to live like a Jewish believer. He understood all the customs. He understood what was right and wrong, and he was comfortable as a Jewish believer in New Testament times. Comfortable until God intervened and turned his world upside down. And Peter didn't like it because God challenged him to come out of his comfort zone. In a vision that Peter had, God asked him, commanded him to eat food that was ceremonially unclean according to the Jewish law. And to a God-fearing Jew, that was unthinkable. It broke every rule. It went against everything he thought to be the truth. But here's what God was doing. He was changing things. And that directly applies to you and to me because God was showing Peter that the gospel is for all people. And it was time now to move it, to move it from a, a Jewish sort of religion to a gospel that was for everyone. So now the rules have changed, and it's meant for every race, it's meant for every tongue, it's meant for the young, the old, male, female. The gospel is for everyone. But when I say everyone, that means people that are really different from each other. And so many times it's hard to minister to people that are so different and we have to come out of our comfort zone to do it. And that's what Peter was experiencing. And so as we look at this story involving two men that were obedient to God and we're going to see the incredible reward for their obedience, I want you to know that your life can reap huge rewards as well when you're willing to come out of your comfort zone and courageously multiply. So I want you to turn, if you would, to Acts 10. If you have a a phone, if you have a tablet or a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Acts 10, beginning in verse 1. We don't have Bibles in the seatbacks at the moment because of COVID. So if you don't have anything with you, you can always just watch on the screen behind me as well. So we're working our way through the book of Acts, and we're in a series called Courageously Multiply. And leading up here to chapter 10, since we talked last, many things have happened. Saul, who had that amazing conversion experience, has joined the disciples. A man by the name of Ananias was healed by the apostles, and a woman named Tabitha was brought back to life from the dead. It's a pretty major event. So we see the church multiplying. We see that miracles are happening everywhere. And now this chapter contains the story of two men who are about as different as you could possibly be. They were not from the same universe. They were different in their ethnicity, in their religion, in what they did for a living, all of it. But God orchestrates a meeting. And when we see them come together, we see that coming out of comfort zones can be part of growing God's kingdom. 
So let's start with the first man. His name is Cornelius, and we see him in chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and all that all alms were is just acts of charity. And then he prayed continually to God. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in the vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter who is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him and departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So Luke first tells us about this Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now, a centurion commanded about a hundred men. That rank is not too high, it's not too low. It would be equivalent to, say, a captain in the U.S. military. But God had chosen him to be one of the first Gentiles, or non-Jew, to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to understand that to a Jewish believer like Peter, Gentiles were totally off-limits. They were unclean. You weren't supposed to be with them. And so in order for somebody to, meet, to reach Cornelius, they would have to come out of their comfort zone, and that would be Peter. And so here's the first point I want to make here as we dive into this text. It takes uncomfortable courage to reach those who need Jesus. It just does. And we can see this everywhere we look, and we've experienced it in our own lives about how hard it is sometimes to reach others with the good news of Christ. And to reach Cornelius, it would especially take courage. And it wasn't because Cornelius was a bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy. The text tells us here that he was a devout man, which means that he was righteous. He was God-fearing. He likely attended synagogue. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. But he had not yet come into a New Testament salvation relationship with Jesus Christ, and he needed that. So the problem wasn't Cornelius. The problem was this massive gap between Jews and Gentiles. And in order for the gospel to get from here to here, it would take people that had the courage and obedience to do it. So an angel comes, gives Cornelius a vision. He wants him to go to Joppa, was about 33 miles from there in order to bring back Simon Peter, and so he did. Which brings us to Peter. Now, Peter, for his part, was in a town called Joppa. And this is now modern-day Jaffa in Israel. We have a couple of pictures. This is just a, a tiny snapshot of what is a beautiful little quaint seaside village that's close to Tel Aviv. If you're standing on the shoreline of the Red Sea, you can look to your right and you can see Tel Aviv off 
in the distance. This is also, by the way, where Jonah sailed to Nineveh from the city. It's a very, very old city. And so this is where they were to go. Now, Peter was staying with a man by the name of Simon the Tanner, and here is traditionally the home of Simon the Tanner in Jaffa. And you notice that uh, there's some words written here, and um, you know they could do better maybe. Maybe they could get a permanent sign there or something, because it's been there a long time. But this is where Peter was. Now, what's interesting about Simon's profession is that he worked with hides. He was a tanner, and working with animal hides was so grotesque, the odor was so bad that they had to work outside of the city. So finding Simon the tanner was not going to be hard for the men that Cornelius sent. Just follow the smell, and they'd be able to track him down. And so Peter is there, and he goes up on the roof. It would have been a flat roof to pray. And what likely happened is he got hungry. He called down and said, I need some food. And that's when he has this amazing vision. So Cornelius had already had a vision, and now Peter was going to have a vision. And if we look at 9 through 16, we see that what God is showing him is that all food is ceremonially clean. There's no difference anymore. The rules are changing. The dietary laws have shifted. So look at verse 9. The next day they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. That would have been later in the day. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Common meaning not sacred. Common meaning not for just Jewish. And then 15, and the voice came to him again, a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once into heaven. So Peter is this devout Jew, and God is saying, eat this unclean food. And he's saying, no. And no. And no. But what God is doing here is that he's showing Peter the Jewish nation didn't have dibs on the gospel, that it was for everyone. And this came out of the blue, and Peter had to adjust. And here's a point I want to make as well. Not only does it take courage, but it takes humility to obey an unexpected command. Because many times, God gives commands, gives direction out of nowhere. And it takes a person who's tuned into God and has the humility to be able to do that. Now, many people have equated these three I'm-not-going-to-do-thems from Peter with the three denials back when he was at Christ's crucifixion, and that wasn't terribly long before this. But most likely, what Luke is doing is he's just giving emphasis to it. 
He's showing us how hard it is, how hard it was for Peter to get a grasp on this new way of doing things. But somebody had to do it. And Peter was learning that the old rules didn't apply anymore. That he was in a new, a new sphere, a new world. New things were happening. And I know that moving beyond our comfort zone to courageously multiply will always force you to obey something that's uncomfortable, something that you're not expecting. And I know this is true in my own life. God very rarely does a, you know, a setup where you're kind of expecting it and then you kind of, sometimes he does, but many times it's like, I want you to do this. But, I don't know about you, but I'm a lot like Peter. I don't like to obey uncomfortable commands. Because, you know, you, you think about Peter and you, mind your, you might find yourself saying, I don't want to. Simple as that. Or, I don't have time to. I don't feel safe doing that. Or I'm not equipped to do that. Or I just don't do that. Well, before you know it, you can talk yourself right into disobedience. And so God calls us to do things, and our, that reasoning may not be flawed. It, it, it may be true. You don't feel equipped. You don't feel safe. You don't feel like that's what you had planned on doing doesn't change the fact that you're still called. And so, a question for you. When you're, when you're listening to this and you're reading the text and you see that Peter's being called to this new sphere, what do you think that God is calling you to do in your own life? What is it that he's saying, yeah, it's time for you to step out of your comfort zone and do what I'm asking you to do? And I know as I studied this, and as I'm talking now, several things come right to the surface for me. What are you going to do? Are you going to obey? And I'm so many times like Peter, no, 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 no. I don't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not my thing. But God wants it to be our thing. Maybe it's something like confessing sin to a spouse that you've just been like, oh, I can't can't say that. Or, or humbly going to someone that you've held a grudge against for, for a long time and saying, you know what, I, I'm really sorry. I, I have, I've had bad feelings for you for years and I just want to confess that. Maybe it's that neighbor that needs more than just a wave across the yard, across the snow-filled yard. Or maybe it's that person at work that needs more than just a hello when you get to work. What is God calling you to do? See, that's, the, that's what is happening here. He, he chose Peter. didn't make any sense to Peter at first. But he knew that it was, uh, uh, he knew it was God talking to him. It takes courage to do this. And Peter was going to have to forsake everything he knew in order to go forward. So we have two men that are facing a dilemma that need courage. Cornelius, he had a vision that came out of nowhere. What did he do? He immediately got all his guys together and said, I want you to go find him. He didn't know what he was getting. And then you have Peter who's being commanded to put aside all of his Jewish rights and minister 
to Gentile people. But their reward would be obedience in two forms. The first is, is that the gospel would be presented clearly to Gentiles. And as the narrative unfolds, Cornelius' men arrive, they find Peter, Peter invites them into the house, they stay overnight, and then they head for Caesarea. And Cornelius is ready. He's gathered a crowd. He wants to hear what Peter has to say. And if we look at verse 24, we continue the narrative. On the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. It's possible that Cornelius may have confused that angel talking to him in a vision with Peter. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So those words are so important. You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with you. Yet here I am. And you can see that this this uncomfortable wall, this barrier is being broken down by Peter's obedience and And God is showing him in his own words here, I should not call any person common or unclean. He had gotten it. He had obeyed. He'd figured out now that God was calling him to go here to the Gentiles. And now supernatural events began to happen. And so when we're willing to courageously come out of our comfort zones, then amazing things start to happen. And I want you to be encouraged that when you move forward in your own life with whatever God might be calling you to do, there's a spiritual reward that's reaped with that. It may not be in this lifetime. You may never see that reward. But I'll guarantee you in heaven you will see a reward for it. And so this is really important. Peter now has the opportunity to preach the gospel to Gentiles, unclean people, And this is the man who very short time ago was saying, no, no. It's quite a a transition. And so the, the church is multiplying. The obedience of the two men is bearing a reward. And now I want you to see the gospel presentation summarized in 39 through 43 because he's just given this beautiful kind of a sermon presentation. Here's how he summarizes it. 39. And we are witnesses of all that he, Jesus, did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, the the disciples who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So 
Peter had this incredible credibility. He, he said, listen, this isn't some theoretical thing. We saw Jesus raised from the dead. We ate and drank with him. We were with him. And we can, we can vouch for this gospel that I'm giving you right now. And I can only imagine the people in the crowd just went like, wow, yeah. There's a lot of hope in this. And in, in this dark and cynical time that we live in, we need hope. And there's hope in the gospel. The, the gospel does a wonderful thing for us. When we receive Jesus and we receive his love for us and we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, we are immediately made right with God. It's called being justified. And we are reconciled. But that's not where the gospel stops. The gospel is a transforming power that continually drives you more toward Christ. The Holy Spirit is working within you. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome this dark and cynical world that you live in. You don't have to be sucked into it. You don't have to, you don't have to carry this darkness around with you. You can let God be the center and not politics or the virus, or racial injustice, which are all important things, but the center is Jesus, and that's where the hope comes. And so I want you to believe in Jesus. If you haven't yet received him as your Savior, I want you to know that what these disciples had seen is a man, a God-man, 100% God, 100% human, who went to Roman crucifixion on his own accord so that he could die and pay for every sin that would ever be committed. And so that you have the opportunity now, and I have the opportunity to go to him and say, I receive that forgiveness. Sorry for my sin. I believe that you are the Savior and be saved. And this is the message that Peter was giving these unclean Gentiles. And this is where it connects with you and I. If, if God had held this to just the Jewish nation, you and I would not be a part of this. So this is, a, this is a watershed moment for us too. The gospel is preached to the Gentiles. That's the first reward. The second reward for obedience is seen in 44 through 48. Some refer to this moment as the Pentecost of the Gentile world. But more likely what this moment really is, is God's gift to the Gentiles to help them share in the Pentecost that had happened when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles. So look here at 44. While Peter was still saying these things, so Peter is still wrapping up his sermon and his presentation, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. I remember about... Um, I don't know. It, it's been a few years now. I mean, because I was working up in Vancouver and I was helping this young man plant a church, and he, they were doing a, their one of their first services, and, and I called him up and I said, "Like, how did it go?" And he goes, "Man, he goes, the Holy Spirit dropped," and I went, "Like, is he okay?" So I'd never heard that term before. Now I have, and this is what's happening. And what's happening here is that the Holy Spirit fell on them, and believers from among the circumcised Jewish who had come with Peter were amazed 
Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Do you see Luke's wording? Even on those people. He's amazed too. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then, this is amazing, Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. And so here's this guy that was Jewish to the core. And God gave him a vision. I want you to go to the Gentiles. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He did obey in the end of the day. And now what's happening? He's cheering them on. Let's baptize them. This is amazing. And that's transformation. So it happens when we obey. That's what happens when we walk with God. We begin to see fruit. We begin to be excited that other people are finding Jesus. And then they wanted him to stay. So reaching someone different, like Peter had to do with Cornelius, is sometimes very messy and it's difficult. I found that in my own life. It does take a special person to break down walls and to go places where you haven't gone when it's uncomfortable. And so the question I have for you is, who is that person? What is that situation where you're thinking, like, yeah, I feel like Peter. God's calling me to go there, and I had never planned on going there. I'd never planned on doing that. And now I'm feeling like, thanks, Paul, because now I'm feeling it right here in my chest. My heart's beating, and I know God's telling me to do it. What is it? And as a church, we can take this to heart as well. If we want to reach our community for Christ, we're going to have to courageously do it. We're going to have to courageously come out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to do things in a new way to to reach the Corneliuses of our city. Because I'll guarantee you that they're not going to be hanging out where Christians hang out. They're going to use different colorful language than you might use. They have a different worldview than you do. They have different friend groups than you do. And they're basically fulfilling their job description of non-believers. They're being non-believers. So you have to go find them. Because they're not just going to stumble into the church likely. And so God knew that the Gentiles needed to hear the gospel. And Peter had to go to where they were. And so as a church, as we look at what we've done and what God may be calling us to do in the future, we have to understand that we can't be thinking about how we did things 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even 5 years ago, but what does God want us to do right now and in the future? Because times are changing quickly. And I'll say it again, I probably bore you with this, but here's what I'm going to say is, the pandemic is crippling. But people are still dying and going to hell. So we better stay with it. It's important. And Peter had the courage to do that. And because he did, you and I are included in salvation. That's pretty amazing. And so, when you come out of your comfort zone, God can really use you. And we can all courageously multiply together. Let me pray. God, I just thank you so much that you did include 
include me in your plan of salvation. I thank you for laying it on the hearts of, of men like Peter. And as we go through Acts, we'll see Barnabas and, and Paul and all of these incredible missionaries that, that went out and risked their lives and underwent suffering and just had that goal in mind that we're going to reach people with the message that we know to be the truth. And so, God, will you please give us that same resolve, that same focus? God, you, in some ways, have done what you did to Peter. You've shaken up our world. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime, maybe a a once-in-a-hundred-years event. Don't let us waste it, God. Help us to know how to use it, how to how to take what people are thinking about and and what they're experiencing and using it to come alongside of them and share the gospel with them, to give them a taste of Jesus, to help them to know there's something more than the darkness and divisiveness and anger that they're experiencing every day, all day. So God, will you do that? Will you use us? Please do that. And I pray this in your name. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.